Well, good morning, church. Good morning. So good to see you today and no better way to, to greet you and to begin a service with Believer's Baptism. And so today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember when Jesus saved you. I want you to think about how that you passed from death to life. How that God did a redemptive work in your heart through the blood of Jesus that changed your course of life for all eternity. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate today than a dad being able to baptize his son on Father's Day. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So, happy Father's Day to all of our dads. And so Scott Greer is going to come and... Uh, just lead out in our baptism this morning. So you be praying for him and his family. Again, this is truly a blessing. Old Father's Day, baptizing your son. It's just, it's awesome. So I'll remember this day for the rest of my life, which I know he will too. Thank you for today. Lord, we could leave right now and we could confess with our lips today that it has been good to have been in the house of the Lord today. God, thank you that you still save. Thank you that you still redeem. God, thank you that you are still reaching down and uh, extending us, God, your love and your grace and your mercy. And so, Father, we pray that what we've seen today, which is going to be the best message preached today, the power of the gospel. Lord, we pray that if we would just think about this all day. Lord, maybe there's someone here today that's never trusted you. And God, maybe today would be the day they would cry out that, Lord, you would be merciful unto them and that God would save them. And so, Lord, we give you this day. We trust you with it. God, we pray that you would just speak for our hearts. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we ask all of this today in the marvelous name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. I'm going to allow the choir to make their way to the choir loft at this time. And they'll be singing shortly. But today is Father's Day. And I know that some of us are remembering our fathers who have gone on before us, I had the privilege of showing Miss Pat a picture of my dad today, and I miss him, but I know where he is, served faithfully for all those years. Um, and I'm also happy for all the fathers that are just here. If you're a dad today, would you just stand and remain standing for a moment? If you're a father, would you stand, ladies, could you... Amen. Amen. 
Now, remain standing, and if, if, you, if you're a man and you're not a dad today, I want you to join these guys in standing, because I want to say something to you. If you're a man, I see a couple standing, not yet father. So let me just tell you this. Yeah, even young guys, that's good. You qualify. Um, so the best thing you can do as a man or a father is to live as close to the Lord Jesus as you possibly can. And I want to tell you about something that's coming this fall that can help you with that. In the fall, we're going to have a day where we have a men's day and we kick off a new men's ministry. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not a men's club. It's not where we just get together and eat, although we are going to eat. It's not a day where we're just going to come together for one time, one and done, and that's it. This is going to be a time when we begin as men to walk together. We're going to be accountable to each other. I hope you will choose to be a part of that. Uh, you're never too young. You're never too old. So come and be a part of the men's ministry here. We don't even know what we're going to call it yet. So, so if, we, if we do it in the morning and you get biscuits, we, we can call it Bibles and Biscuits. And uh, I don't know about that, but we'll have a name for it. But I'm telling you now, it's going to happen in August. So we'll look forward to that. Ladies, would you give these men a hand once again? And the gentlemen, you can be seated. We have a video that uh, our kids have put together um, for our dads today. So before we sing or anything else this morning, if you would roll that beautiful footage. Steakhouse. To Myrtle Beach. And play in the water. The beach. To the mountains. Five guys. Camping. <laughs> to work. Our house. Walmart. Flounder. Play Fortnite with him. Play with him. Firefighters. Go to the water park. Laying up the gator. I'm going camping with him, going swimming and Sitting with him and talking with him. Hang out with him and camping. I like to go on daddy-daughter dates. Go to my baseball games. Play with him, football. Play with him, football sometimes. Steak. Um, steak. Tacos. Macaroni. He does like his donuts. I don't know. He needs a bunch of stuff. Salads, pizza. Steak. Because he's always like funny and we, we play fights sometimes like he tackles us and we just have a good time together. Because he plays with us. Because when I get home, the first thing he does is hug me. When he picks me up from school and he gives me a snack because he knows I'm hungry. Because I love him. Because he spends time with us and he says, I love you. He hangs out with us and he like buys stuff for us. Because he's my dad. Because he gives us all of our things. Because he plays with me and tickles me.
the best fire chief in the world. Being the best dad ever. He never wanted to be famous, I bet, I think. Being the be best inventor, that he's a good dad. Eating. Working the hardest. Hitting a home run. <laughs> All you need to do in life is pay taxes, I. He tells me to make um, him breakfast, but he's joking. But what he tells me a lot is that um, I never get up, give up, even though it gets very hard. Get in the car. Bye. I love you and all that. He says, do your hardest, work hard and all that. Mostly every day he says, go to sleep. Stop. I love you. I'm gonna tickle you. He goes on fire, calls and uh, cut the grass. Maybe sometimes. Cuts my grandma's grass. He usually just do, does computer work or um, buys me a prize at the store while I'm gone. Usually he just works on the dishes and stuff. He sits and, and plays and he plays the guitar. He works outside. Probably sleep, watch TV, eat. Probably do this, watches TV, eats, sleeps. Works. Works. To always love him and just whenever you're ready, get baptized. He teaches us to love Jesus. Jesus um, helps you with decisions and makes sure to always be like Jesus. He wants, he wants to tell everybody about God and Jesus. God's always with you and all that. He's right here. God sent his only son to wash away our sins. He loves us. That no matter what, he, he, he still loves you. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day, I love you. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, I love you.
Now, I have to tell you why we sang that song today, because our Ukrainian piano player wanted to play an Irish song. And so she loves that song. We tried to get her to do a little jig along with it, but she refused us on that one. But we're glad to sing that song this morning, The River of God. Let's stand together. We're going to begin with an old hymn, and we're going to end with a newer hymn today. Uh, a, couple, a week or so ago, I set out one we didn't sing it last week called Hymn of Heaven. We'll end our praise and worship time with that this morning. But we'll begin with an old, old hymn today.
soon and very soon we are going to see the king yes soon and very soon we are going to see the king hallelujah hallelujah we
cannot even imagine what that day is going to be like. But Lord, to think that once again, we will stand shoulder to shoulder with the heroes of our faith. Those who have gone before us, who, who live with you now. Lord, people that gave sacrificially to this church. People who have mentored us along the way and prayed for us. That we'll be together again at your feet and at the throne of God saying holy, holy is the Lord. Even so Lord Jesus, even so come quickly. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus name Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for all the music today Scott just leading us so well from week to week in worship and the praise team, choir, musicians, all of our AV um, guys who help us out. You just do such a tremendous job. Thank you so very much. So good to see each of you here today. And again, uh, happy Father's Day. Today's been a good day for me. And uh, just, a, just a great day here for my kids and got to, to hang out with them the last few days and, and uh, to, to see them. It's, uh, I'm going to get emotional if I don't stop, all right? I, I'm telling you, I love my kids. And uh, so thankful for my family and and um um, just just so thankful just so thankful and i'm thankful for you church uh, we love you and we're praying for you and are excited about what all that the Lord is doing. And uh, again, the best message preached today, you've already seen it. That was in the baptism. Doesn't get any better than that. You see the effects of the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and how he continues to save and he saves to the uttermost does not get any better than that.
Today we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. We're going to continue to walk through and we've kind of looked at this pretty much a chapter at a time. And today I want to do the same. I want to be in chapter 5. Chapter 5. Nehemiah chapter 5. Now this, this, the whole theme of this particular chapter is an interesting one. And I've chosen today to entitle it Defeating Division. If you're part of church life, if you're part of leadership, I'm telling you, you're going to have some bumps and hurdles along the way. It's just the way it goes. You can't avoid it. You just absolutely can't avoid it. But what do you do with it? That's the key. And so we're going to look at that today. But, but, but under that theme, I really want to ask every man to listen very closely. Because what you're going to see in Nehemiah chapter 5 is the man of God. And how, how does God use him in order to defeat division when it came to, to the Jews there? And, and there's some turmoil that was going on. All right? Y'all familiar with turmoil, right? All right, just checking, just checking. And so, you know what? I can have it as a dad. I can have it as a husband. You can have turmoil in your home. You can have the same address, but yet you feel like you are distant, distant, distant. All right? So how do you overcome some of that? Well, one of the things that you see in chapter 5 is the personal character and integrity of Nehemiah. And so, and so you, you see, see these leadership, leadership skills that just jump off the page. And so, so, so every dad here today, I mean, I really want you to, to think about your life and how you live life. And, and what do you do when, when trouble time comes? And what do you do when there seems to be a different opinion than yours? I mean, we're Baptists. We can have different opinions. Amen. I just read a story the other day that wherever two Baptists are, there are at least three opinions. I'm not sure if that's true, but I, there's a part of me that can almost believe it. There was a dad heard his little girl just yelling and screaming at some of her friends. And her friends were screaming back at her. And he opened the back door and he said, sweetheart, what in the world is going on? What is all the commotion? And she just simply said, dad, don't worry, we're playing church. All right. So, so we, we don't, don't want that. that. Somebody, Somebody say amen. amen. That's, That's not, not what we want. want. Okay? Because, because let's just be honest. That does not bring God, God glory. glory. And, and the, the very, very foundation, foundation of Nehemiah is we do what we do so that we can magnify and lift up the glory of our great God. And so, so how, how, but, but trouble, I mean, it's just going to happen, right? It's just going to happen. And so I want to take some time today and just unpack very, very quickly uh, four or five things out of this chapter that I think can help me. I believe they can help you. I believe they will help us as a church. I believe they will help you as a leader. I, I believe that every dad can benefit from this message as well. So if you found your place, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. As a matter of fact, hold your Bible up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters we are many. So let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh 
is as the flesh of our brothers, our children, and as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But it is not in our power to help it for other men have our fields and our vineyards. Now listen to Nehemiah's response. I was very angry. And already some of you thinking, well, that's bad. Can I tell you right now, there's good anger and there's bad anger. And what you're going to see today is the righteous anger of God, not against people, but against sin. And that's the difference, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? And so, so he was angry, but this is a righteous anger. And I'll walk through that in just a little bit. I was very angry. When I heard their outcry and these words, I took counsel with myself and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials and I said to them, you are exacting interest each from his brother. And I held a great assembly against them and said to them, we as far as we are able have brought back our Jewish brothers who've been sold to the nations. But you even sell your brothers that you may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. In other words, when Nehemiah said, here's what you've done, they couldn't argue. There was no response. Verse 9. So I said, the thing that you are doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations of our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses. And the percentage of money, grain, wine, and oil that you've been exacting from them. Then they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them swear to do as they had promised. I also shook the fold of my garment and said, So may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor who does not keep this promise. That, that's a powerful ritual. Now let me just, just very quickly, you've got to think through Old Testament economy here. And so this was a public ritual to say, if you don't do what you have committed to, judgment is going to come. That's all that means, but that's a, that's a powerful picture there. So, so may he shake it out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord, and did as they had promised. Lord, thank you today for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we get to worship you today. And, 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 and there's so many ways, God, we can worship you in our giving. We worship you, God, in Bible study. We worship you today, God, in, 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 in music and song. God, we worship you today in our service and our servant to theology with the body and our guests today. God, we worship you in believers' baptism. And now, Lord, we get to worship you, the King of kings and the Lord of Lords through the preaching of your word. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come in great power and anointing today. God, I'm not asking you to make me look good or acceptable today. But Lord, what I am asking is that you proclaim your truth through this servant today. And God, I pray that if we are exposed to your truth, that you will do what only you can do. 
And God, if there is any darkness in our heart, we pray, God, that it would, it would be shown to us by the light of the gospel today. And God, when we see us as you see us, we pray that, God, there would be repentance and reconciliation and great rejoicing in this body. And so, Lord, we ask you to come and we ask you to take control. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You remember that just a few verses before, the Bible made it very clear that the people had a mind to work. Listen to me, church. Anytime the church has a mind to work, the devil has a plan to wreck. Okay, you can count on that. He has a strategy. And so we've seen part of that strategy unpack itself. We've seen his strategy in discouragement because of persecution. We've seen a part of his strategy in distraction. You remember the wall and, the, and they, they were working so hard and there was so much debris, so much garbage that they, they couldn't work and they couldn't function. We've seen that. We, we've seen how that he works through lies and deceit. We've seen that how he wants to bring fear in us and that, that everything we do is dangerous. So you know what that makes us do? Absolutely nothing. And sometimes that is exactly what the enemy wants. And so today in our text, now Satan's going to try to use a division. And there is one thing I know for certain that the enemy loves to use in, in, in his attack of God's people. And that is dividing us. Mark 3.25 says this. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Now, I don't have to stand here today and try to unpack this introduction anymore. Every single one of us understand the idea of division and hardship and the, the brutal reality that, that so many of us have experienced. I've experienced it. You've experienced it. In some form or fashion, we've all experienced it if you're walking with Jesus. And so you've got to look at the cause, but also today we want to look at the cure. Aren't you grateful that Jesus has already fixed every wrong? Now that's a good, that was a sorry amen, but a good place to say amen, all right? So I'm not sure you believe it yet, but I want you to believe that. And so when you begin to open up the very beginning of this chapter, you see there's a shortage of food in the land. Now that should get everybody's attention right there, right? There was a shortage of food in the land. Why? Because the Bible says there was a famine. And because of this famine, people were doing whatever it took to try to feed and take care of their family. Every dad here, you work hard. You want to provide for your family. And so can you imagine if there's no food, what you're going to do? I'm telling you, you would do whatever it took. You would sell that bass boat. You would sell your car. You would sell those golf clubs. You would do whatever it took to take care of your wife and your children. And that's what happened in this Next. They begin to get rid of everything they could possibly get rid of to try to have enough grain so they could eat and function and live. And the Bible makes it very clear that they, they, they mortgage their vineyards, they mortgage their orchards, they, they mortgage their homes, they mortgage many of them, even the land that they had. That's how desperate they were. And then on top of that, it wasn't enough. Now they had to go and borrow money. 
So now they're borrowing money. And, and, and what, what, what few did have land, that was their only source of security. With all these wealthy Jews that they were dealing with. Here's the problem. These wealthy Jews were being very greedy. And they were being extremely Selfish. Can I tell you what the Bible says about that? James 1, 4, or James 4, 1 says this. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? It's an amazing thing. A lot of things that we want to point other people to, the truth is it generated where? The Bible says right here. In our own heart. And so, so what you have here is you've got these Jews who were charging an excessive amount of, of interest on their other Jewish brothers and sisters. And these folks came to Nehemiah and said, something's got to be done. So that's the cause. You with me? Everybody with me? That's the cause. But now what about the cure? Well, begin looking at verse 6. Verse 6 says this, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. So here is the beginning steps for a cure in defeating division. Step number one, overcoming division starts with us not ignoring the problem. You can't ignore. One of the great tragedies of our day is some of us, we don't want to be guilty of being the one who steps up and speaks for truth and righteousness and holiness. Why? Because we're afraid to. I, I'm having a lot of conversations with preachers right now like, Kim, where in the world do you think we're going to go as Southern Baptists? Not exactly sure. Matter of fact, next week I'll unpack a little bit of what happened last week in, uh, at the convention. You okay with that? And I know that some of you, some of you, if you are part of the transformation focus team today, before you leave, I've got a rough draft. I want to give everybody that's serving on the, on the transformational focus team. I want you to take that draft. I want you to read it. I want your eyes on it. I was going to do it today, but I'm going to wait until next week. Okay. If you will give me permission, give me one more week. And then next week, I want to unpack all the work of the transformational focus team. And then if we have enough time, I want to kind of give you my two cents, whether you, I mean, you know, that and another dollar buy you a cup of coffee. All right. But I'll tell you what I'm thinking and what I'm sensing that happened last week um, in Anaheim, California with the Southern Baptist Convention. I just know from experience as a husband, as a dad, as a disciple of Jesus, as being a, a leader in ministry for almost 42 years now, you can't overcome division by ignoring it. You, you can't pretend that it doesn't exist. And one of the great leadership abilities of Nehemiah was to, to, to stand up and say, I hear what you said, I acknowledge it, and something has to be done. So I, I want to encourage you today. I don't know where you are or what's going on in your family, or, but here's what you can't do. You can't ignore the problem. And Nehemiah did not ignore the problem. He took it seriously. The Bible says that he got angry. Now, of course, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. There are some things that we should be angry at. We should be angry at sin. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, when you see sin, it should absolutely drive you bonkers as a Christian. 
It doesn't mean that you get to be a spiritual Barney Fife and rat everybody out. But what it does do and what it should do is to create in us this incredible sense of humility and brokenness. Because we know what we are seeing. The Bible would call it sin. Now, you, you may be saying, well, Ken, I'm not sure that you're exactly where you need to be on that point because I don't understand just because, you know, these bankers, I mean, they got to make money too, and they were just trying to make a living. That sounds good if you use logic and reason, but here's the thing about a believer of Jesus Christ. You can't use logic and reason. You have to use the Word of God. Okay? And here's what they failed to remember in Exodus chapter 22. Verse 25 says, if you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him and you shall not exact interest from him. So you understand what's really going on. The problem wasn't just they had a, a differing opinion. The issue here is they were sinning against God. For them to exact interest on a brother Jew, that was a sin against God. And what Nehemiah was doing was not sticking his head in the sand somewhere and just hoping and praying that somehow, someway, you can wake up in the morning and it will all be fixed and better. No, he did what a man of God should do. He dealt with it honestly and he dealt with it quickly. Don't ignore the problem. This is a beautiful picture of personal integrity and character. This is how you handle the situation in a form and fashion that God would be pleased with. Number two, think before you speak. Now every one of us in this room should have said amen right there. How many times have you been just like this old redneck preacher? My mouth gets to cranking. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Say things in a millisecond after you said it. You knew you shouldn't have said it. But here's the problem. This morning when I brush my teeth, if I put too much toothpaste on the toothbrush, guess what? Go ahead and use it because you can't put it back, right? That's like our words, right? And sometimes we don't think before we speak. Sometimes we just act in our emotions. Here is a beautiful picture of a leader who says, God, I'm going to think before I speak and I want my emotions to be kept under control of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, that one hurts. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what's the last? Self-control. And what you see being displayed in Nehemiah is this incredible spiritual fruit of self-control. Look what he says in verse 7. I took counsel with myself. I took counsel with myself. I'm thinking through this. I'm praying through this situation. 
James 1 says this, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Think. Don't get all huffy-puffy. I made a statement years ago when I was pastoring in Greenville and I really wasn't sure how well it went over. I'm still not exactly sure how it went over. And since I'm the transitional pastor, I can say what I want to say and I'm going home. You see, what gets us in trouble is when we say things like this. You ready? I'm going to give it to you straight. I love you enough to give it to you straight. Well, I think... I feel, you know what's wrong with a lot of Southern Baptist churches today? We are operating on how we think and how we feel and not on the clear teaching of Scripture. There is absolutely no way that you can honor God. Because listen, division, issues, hardships, differences, they're going to happen. It's a part of life. And you, you can't be ruled by your emotions. Do you, you want to live, live with, with regret, regret or do you, you want to live, live with delight? Words, man, they just pop out. You know, and sometimes, sometimes it doesn't happen like this. It's not like your intention starts that way. But if you, if you let your flesh get involved, boy, here it comes. I'll give you one. Pat, I hope you're good with this. I know I make you nervous every time I preach. When we, I think we were still even dating. No, we wouldn't date. I think we maybe been married for a little while. And we were, you know, you know, you're just kind of cutting up, having fun, you know, fun with some friends. And we were talking with our boys the other night. I said, hey, we went, we went bowling the other night. We stood up at 1 o'clock. I said, that ain't nothing. I said, me and your mom used to bowl every Friday night. We didn't start bowling till midnight. Sometimes we would bowl at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. We still do that, don't we? But no, I'm just kidding. We don't do that, all right? Them days are gone, buddy. But you know how you are, you're, the, you're friends and you're cutting up and something was said about noses. And I didn't realize how sensitive Pat was about that subject. And I don't know, I, I, I don't remember how it started exactly. But I just said something out of the way to which my wife responded, well, at least I don't have a Roman nose. And I thought, Roman knows. She said, yeah, Rome's all over your face. <laughs> and my flesh kicked in. Y'all often greer. There is so much redneck in me. Don't you let that pretty downtown fool you. There's still a lot of redneck in greer. And I looked at her and I, I just replied, well, at least I can't pick peanuts out of a Pepsi bottle with my nose. Yeah, that was the wrong thing to say. But you're with me, right? How many times have we opened this contraption up right here? And this, the Bible says this thing is on fire from where? Y'all are scared to say it, aren't you? It's set on fire from where? Hell. And what you see, and I'm not saying Nehemiah was perfect. I'm not saying I handle everything perfectly because I have. But I know that it is the will of God that when you, when there is a division, if there's something brewing, number one, you can't ignore it. Number two, you got to think before you speak and before you let your emotions 
take control. Number three, you confront the offending party. You confront the problems with, with courage that is fueled by humility. And that's what Nehemiah did. He, he says, you are exacting interest from each of his brother. And I held a great assembly against them. And I said to them, we, as far as we are able, have brought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. But you even sell your brothers that you may be sold to us. They're saying, this is crazy. What he's saying is, he goes, men, I want you to listen to me. We have disobeyed God. We, we've been made free. Aren't you glad God has made us free in Jesus? Then why do we want to try to enslave each other with our feelings and our emotions? I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me, church. If you think you're going to win a church argument, everybody loses. Everybody loses. But what you do is you, you confront the offending party. That's the right way to handle division. You go to the offender. You go to them. Listen to Matthew chapter 18. It can't be any clearer than this. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That means stay off of Facebook. That means stay off Twitter. That means stay off TikTok. TikTok. Never mind. Okay, just never mind. Just... You hear that? This is what most people don't do. They call somebody in their Sunday school class, or they call somebody in their small group, and they say things like, Have you heard? I'm going to tell you what to listen for. Next time somebody does that to you, you get that receiver really close to your ears. Because if, if you listen real carefully, you will hear the hiss. That's bad news. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more. And by the mouth of those two or three witnesses, every word can be established. But if he refuses, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. As a disciple of the Lord Jesus, here, here, here is this clarion call to, to not ignore a problem, to think before we speak, to confront problems with courage, but yet do it biblically and in, in a way that displays humility. A disciple of Jesus, we have to have courage. That's a part of personal character and integrity. And so... He calls them all together. Here's point number four. Publicly deal with public divisions. If this is something that, that handles everybody, then everybody's going to be a part of it. And I just love what happens here. He, he tells them what they've done. The Bible says they were silent. They couldn't find a word to say. Verse 9, so I said, the thing that you're doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God? To prevent the taunts of the nations of our enemies. Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. I mean, this is beautiful. 
Here, here's the man of God saying, we're going to deal with this all together, but there's something I want you to know. The only reason I can deal with it is because I've been giving and I'm not taking anything for it. And then if you go over to, to verse 14 to the end of the chapter, what you have is Ezra recounting all the things that Nehemiah had given and didn't charge anybody for it. Can you imagine feeding 150 people a day? That's what Nehemiah was doing. And so thank God for people who live what they say they believe. That's a great, great picture, picture of personal character and integrity. And look, and look what, what happens, happens because of this. I, I, don't, I don't have time to develop this as much as I'd love to, but listen to it. Verse 11, return. Return. Go back. Return to them this very day in their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, wine, and all that you have been exacting from them. Give it all back. A picture? Listen, I bore up I had time. This is what I don't like. Some days I wish we had about three hours just to, to walk through this, okay? This is a beautiful picture of the year of Jubilee where they gave everything back. Can you imagine having debt and every seven years you just got relieved of that debt? Return to them. And that's what they did. He says this, we will restore. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful word? To restore? God, we want to restore our relationship with you. And we're going to restore our relationship with our brothers and our sisters. Listen to me, close church. It is, it is the height of hypocrisy to say that you are right with God and not right with somebody in this room. It's the height of hypocrisy. Restore. What if some of you gave back today? What if you gave back some time, gave back your attention, gave back your words? What if you released somebody that's been enslaved by your opinions? Can you imagine the restorative power of that? Return, restore. We will restore these and require nothing from them. That is, to me, that is incredibly beautiful. There are times that Pat and I have argued and we fought, we've had different opinions, and I mean, she was just wrong. Oh, it's Father's Day, Pat, this week. No, we've both been wrong, right? We've both just blown it. But I'll tell you what I learned one day. I thought I was forgiving Pat, but I wasn't forgiving her. I, I called it forgiveness, but here's what it looked like. If she agreed that I was right, I felt this sense of entitlement, right? And then I could say, well, I forgive you. But then I was always willing to hold that over you. Here's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness says... I'm sorry, I was wrong. Forgive me, even if you don't receive it. I will never bring it back up again. That's when I really learned what forgiveness was. 
I love this passage. Require from them. See, some of you can have sweet peace with Jesus and sweet peace with other believers. But you've got to stop wanting your ounce of blood and your pound of flesh. Forgive. We will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them swear to do as they had promised. And I shook out the fold of my garment. Hmm. Well, let me just say this in closing. Um, whenever God wants to build, I know that Satan wants to bow. But our response should be that of Ephesians 4.3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so I, I, I know that I don't have the pastoral collateral uh, to do what I'm actually going to do today. If I did, I would make every one of you in this room a CIO of Popper Springs Baptist Church. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, you know, CEO, CFO. What's some other ones? There's a, what else? Am I missing something? What? COO. COO. Well, I, I want to make y'all CIOs. Chief Integrity Officers. That we would live with biblical character and integrity. And here's how you can do that. Expect problems and difficulties because they're just going to happen. Don't live in a dream world like everything's going to be perfect because it's not. Expect it. And wherever there's people, there's going to be potential for problems. Number two, confront them courageously. Every problem that you ignore will go underground and those roots can grow deep and they will always bear bitter fruit. Number four, be sure your own integrity is intact. And last, but by no means least, and this is probably my favorite slide of the whole message. See Every problem as an opportunity for God to do something great. Do you, you, you realize, church, the bend in the road is not the end of the road? Did you know that failure is never final? Not with Jesus. And so, I, I think God has something great. In store. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. Ten years from now, I don't want you to have missed it. Are you, are you hearing my heart today? I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. Life is way too short for us to live with bitterness and brokenness and division. I had much rather, let's go to Calvary. Spurgeon said this, may we go to Calvary to learn how to be forgiven and linger there long enough to learn how to forgive. I, I'd say, let's just give the devil a black eye. I'd say, let's stand our ground. I don't want Slewfoot pushing us around anymore. You hear what I'm saying? Absolutely not. And your, your battle, battle is not with somebody, somebody sitting in this pew. pew. 
But it could be that's where God is using this moment to say, I, wanna, I want you to walk in humility. And I want you to restore and I want you to get some things right. And my simple, heartfelt plea is whatever God challenged you to do, don't dismiss it. Trust Him for it. And then watch God do something great. Lord, today, I, I don't know what ears and hearts may have heard, but I trust that they heard your voice. God, I believe with all of my heart that that God, you're calling us. You're calling us, God, to, to display the gospel itself. In body life. That, Lord, we can never be the church that you died for us to be. God, if there is a spirit of bitterness and dissension and division... God, we pray that even now those things be dealt with in the name of Jesus. That God, we would see restoration. That God, we would see forgiveness. That God, we would open up some prison bars that we have put people in. Maybe we put our own self in that prison. And Lord, I do believe the cross can do for me what nothing else can do for me. And God, I'm asking you in my own heart today, God, show me, are there any broken relationships? God, is there, is there anything that doesn't reflect Jesus when it comes to, to, to my network of relationship? God, in my home, God, in this role as a transitional pastor here at Popper Spring, Lord, I never want to do anything that would harm your glory or make you look bad. God, I never want, I never want to, to be guilty of, of, of things that would bring your heart shame. And I would never want to shame this fellowship. But Lord, today, if there is sin in the body, it has to be dealt with. And God, what's going to happen... We don't have to know all the nitty-gritties. Lord, we're going to know when things, because the spiritual temperature of this place is going to get crazy. And so, Lord, I'm just asking you today, would you begin a work of restoration and forgiveness like we have never seen before? And that, God, you would be so pleased to meet with us and to walk with us in that journey. And that God, as a result, we would see you do a work that we could not even begin to imagine could happen. We pray that souls would be saved. I pray that God today is just a microcosm of exactly what you want to do. God, week after week, souls being saved, week after week, adding to the church, God, week after week, discipleship going on, God, week after week, there's true worship in spirit and in truth, and week after week, God, there is, there is service as unto Jesus, week after week, we would do what we do to bring you glory. 
So, Lord, even in this time of invitation, God, you have your way. And I'll trust you with whatever you want to do. God, I trust you today. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as our team leads us. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to come around this altar and pray and seek the Lord. Maybe there's somebody in this room that you need and you need to go talk to. You need to address. you you got to get right. Maybe you're here today and say, Ken, I've never trusted Jesus. I'm going to tell you, you're in the right place at the right time. I would love to take the Word of God and show you how to be saved. Maybe you're here today and you're looking for a church home. I don't know of a better. I, I just don't. I think God's up to something if we will trust Him for it. So right now, brother, you lead us and we will trust the Lord to do whatever He needs to do. Trust Him. Trust Him.
Isn't that what you really want today? For the things of this world to grow dim in the light of His glory and grace? I do. I don't know about you, but we've heard the word today. We've heard a word for us today. As you leave, there'll be men there to receive the offering. The black boxes are on the wall for your offerings. There are no other activities today except to go home. Remember what we heard here today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. And as we go from this place, I pray that your word will burn us up and burn away everything that doesn't look like you.